this uh, l- last night, we uh, once a month, uh, house church shepherds meet together. And last night as we were talking, a couple of the sh- shepherds, well, not just last night, but over the course of this week, a couple of the, our house church shepherds were talking about how um, they feel like their mind is, uh, they're, they're becoming more and more forgetful. Their mind is not working the way that it used to. Their memory is failing them. And so um, I thought in honor of them, we'd begin today with a joke. How's that? Can we, you like jokes? Okay, here's a joke. Super funny. Really, really funny. Okay, here we go. Uh, two elderly couples are out on a date, right, double date, and they're eating at this restaurant. And one of the men, elderly man, a guy named Fred, starts lamenting over the fact that his memory is failing him. And so he's like, man, I'm forgetting everything. I don't remember, like, where I put my keys and all these things, and it's really bothering me. And so the guy across from him, Bill, says, ah, you know what? This is, well, this is serendipitous, great timing, because recently I've been going to a memory clinic, and they've been teaching me these techniques and helping me to regain my memory that I, I felt like has been uh, missing. And so Fred says to him, oh, Really? I would like to go with you. And, and so Bill's like, yeah, you really should come with me. I think it's been, it's been doing wonders for me and really helping me out. And so Fred says, what's it called? And so Bill thinks about it, and he thinks about it, and he thinks he can't, his mind goes blank. Like, ah, ah, what is it called? And then all of a sudden his face lights up and a smile comes across his face, and he says, what's the name of that, that flower? It's, it's like really beautiful, sign of love, long stem, and it's got thorns on it. And Fred says, you mean a rose? He's like, that's it. He looks at his wife and he says, Rose, what was the name of that memory clinic that I've been going to? (laughs) Aha. Sometimes uh, we forget. Isn't it a funny thing that we tend to forget things that are most important in life? Forget our wife's name. Maybe you forgot your best friend's birthday. They're not on Facebook, and they don't have a thing that pops up and tells you today's their birthday, and you forgot, and they get upset at you. Or your wife sends you to Publix to go get one item, and you get to Publix, and you're like, doggone it, what was that one thing I was supposed to get? Isn't it interesting how sometimes the things that we forget are the most important things? And the problem with that is that the more important a thing is, the worse the consequences are when we forget those things. You ever have a time where you forgot that you had a final exam in class today? Yeah, that's a stinker. Or you ever go on a mission trip and you forget your passport in the back seat of the in the back seat of the uh, in the airplane in the back seat in the seat. <laughs> you forget your passport on a mission. Have you ever done that? Uh, somebody has. Ask uh, Daniel Kwok if he's ever done that. <laughs> Sometimes the things that are most important are the things that we forget. And the more important the thing is, the graver the consequences are. So today, in light of the fact that we forget and we are becoming increasingly forgetful, I don't want to teach anything new. In fact, I want to cause us to remember and to go back to remember what? Jesus says is actually the most important thing, that before all else, remember, do this one thing. Matthew 22. Can we turn there? Matthew 22. We're going to start in verse 34 and read until verse 40. And to stir up by way of reminder things that we, many of us know, but may have been tucked away in the deep and dusty recesses of our mind, we're going to call that back into memory Uh, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. 
This is God's word. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is God's word. You've heard this before, have you? The great commandment, the greatest commandment out of 613 of them written in the Old Testament law. These uh, teachers, Pharisees, Sadducees, they come together and they're trying to trick Jesus. And they say, hey, out of these 600 plus, what do you think is the most important thing? They might have thought that he would be talking about something about the Sabbath or about what to wear, what to eat or about circumcision. What's the most important thing? And Jesus responds with a simple yet deeply profound and life-altering statement. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So what, are we, what is he talking about? Two things that I want to talk about today before all else. Two things. What is the most important thing? What ought we do before all else? And then who ought we love before all else? Right? Two things, very simple. First thing, before all else, before anything else, love. You ask different people, and different people might tell you what they think is the magic silver bullet to Christianity. You ask somebody who fasts a lot, hey, what's the most important thing in the Christian life? And they might say to you, it's fasting. You need to fast. You ask a person who prays three hours a day, what's the most important thing in Christian life? They will probably respond to you and say, you got to have an active, intimate prayer life with God to see the miracles of God. You got to pray. You ask someone who's been on mission trips every year of their life, what's the most important thing? What's the key to Christian life? They'll tell you that doing missions is the most important thing. You ask a person who gives half of his salary, half of her salary away to help people for the sake of the church. What's the most important thing? They will tell you that giving to the needy and giving your gifts to God is the most important thing. But you rewind the script a little bit and you ask Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing in all of life? What would Jesus say? He says it's actually pretty simple. He says love is the key. It all comes down to this. And you know this, don't you? You know this because in every relationship, in every relationship, it's about love. What, whether you're a parent to a child, a child to a parent, you don't want them to just do things for you. You want them to love because it's all about the heart and not all about the art, right? You want the heart to be in it. That's why we, uh, we, we sing that, that song, Lord, I give you my heart because that's what Jesus wants. But we forget that often, don't we? And when we forget that it's all about love, here's what we do. We create love substitutes. We create substitutes for love that we do instead of loving God. And so some of us would be better Christians if Jesus had said, study about Jesus, study about the Lord your God with everything within you. Some of us would be better Christians if Jesus said that studying was the most important thing. If Jesus said give was the most important thing, then we might be better at it. If somebody, if Jesus said serve or whatever it might be, uh, you name it, we all have something that we probably do better than love because we forget the things that are most important. 
That's why 170 times in the Bible, God commands his people to remember, to remember, to remember because we forget. We don't need to be taught new things. I don't think we need to be taught new things. Paul says to the church in Philippi, he says, only live up to what you've already attained. Take the things that you've got and begin to live them. That's all you got to do. That's what you've got to do. And then you'll begin to understand and live in, in wisdom. So a strange thing happened to me. Actually, a funny thing happened to me earlier this week. Came home one day from, uh, from church, from meetings, from different stuff that I was doing. I came home. I opened the door to my house, and I was greeted by three little people that looked just like my three children, Manny, Elijah, and Elise. They kind of marched up to me like they were soldiers, and they greeted me, and they said, Welcome home, Father, in this like monotonous, robotic voice. Even Elise said that. I was like, wow, that's it. when did you learn how to talk, Elise? And in unison, they all said that. And then they carried on, and they said, Father, we are glad that you are here. You care for us. You provide for us. You give us shelter. You buy us food. You give us all that we need. We are well cared for, and we praise you for it. I said, wow, that's great. And I, so I walked into the living room. I said, Olive, what's going on? Like, when did, when did Elise start talking, and why are they talking like that? They looks like our kids, but they, they seem a little bit different. And she's like, well, you know, our kids, a, a lot of times they're great, but sometimes they just don't listen to us. And we tell them to do something, and they don't do it. Tell them to turn off the TV, they don't turn it off. Tell them to eat their beans, they don't eat their beans. So I, I went on Amazon, and I found that you can clone your kids. Hey, you can make robots of your children. And so I just paid a cool penny, and got the, these things came in the mail. And so I'm like, wow, yeah, that's really neat. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. And so she said, yeah, try them out. They can do, they can do all kinds of things. I said, hey, um, do, you, do you guys, like, do tricks and stuff? They're like, your wish is our command. And so I said, okay, that's awesome. I, so I asked, I asked them, what is zero divided by zero? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I said, hey, can you? <laughs> it's something about Cookie Monster and you have no friends and stuff. But I said, hey, um, can you clean the house? And again, they said, your wish is our command. And so Manny goes over and gets the Swiffer, and with robotic precision and efficiency, she Swiffered the whole floor in, like, five minutes. Man, that's awesome. And Elijah, he got this, like, magic wand, and he's, like, cleaning out the toilets, and he's doing so, and, and he comes back, and he says, I'm done. And then Elise, like, takes out the trash. She's, like, like tiny. She can barely walk when I knew her, but she takes out the trash and uh, empties a diaper genie, changes her own diapers, all this stuff, and takes it, wheels out the trash can to the curb. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. They come back and they say, Father, what else would you like for us to do for you? I said, what else can you do? And they said, again, your wish is our command. I said, can you give a massage? Been a little bit stressed out lately. Can you give me a massage? And, and so they said, we can do that. And so they climbed up on the sofa and Manny attacks my shoulders and Elijah my head and Elise my back. And like they know perfectly like where they need to push. And it's like the most amazing massage. And it's been going on for like 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And I say, how long can you guys do this for? How long, you know, how long do I have you? And they said, as long as you would like, Father. And I said, oh, this is beautiful. And they're serving me so beautifully. And then I said, okay, that's good, that's good. You can stop now. And then I said, what else can you guys do? They said, uh, again, your wish is our command. I said, man, this is crazy. So I said, I don't know if you can really do this, but can you give me like $2 million? We got a mortgage at church to pay and stuff like that. Any way you can do that? And they said, we can do that, Father. And it's like, a, it's like an ATM machine. Out of their belly starts, put, all this money comes out. And they give it to me in stacks of 100. I'm like, man, this is amazing. 
And then I, I sit down and I'm just like dumbfounded by all, like all, this is beautiful. Like everything that we've ever wanted has come true with our children. And so I say, guys, I love you guys. I love you guys. And there's no response. They just kind of look at me. And I said to them, hey, come here, come here, come here. Come, come sit on daddy's lap and, and give me a hug. And they just blank stare. And I said, uh, maybe they didn't hear me. So I got closer to them. I said, hey, guys, I love you. Come and give daddy a hug. I'm so proud of you guys. And they keep repeating after themselves, command unrecognized, command unrecognized. And then they, they go into their room. And I said, Olive, that was kind of cool, like what, what happened, but, but what, what just happened here? What's the deal with that? And it's like, oh, I, I forgot to tell you, they do all those things, but uh, they don't know how to love. What do you think I'd rather have? These kids who praise me, who obey me, who serve me, who give to me, but have not love. Or my kids who stumble and struggle to love me, to serve me, to honor me, but they seek to love me with all of their heart. What do you think God would rather have from you? See, a lot of us would be better Christians if Jesus said, give to me. If he said, serve me. If he said, obey me. If he said, even pray to me or sing to me. But he didn't say that. Why? Because we all know, don't we, that it is very possible for us to serve God and not love him. For us to give offering to God and not love him. For us to obey God and not love him. For us to pray to God and not love him. Why does Jesus... Here, this is not what I'm not saying. He didn't say do those things. He did. He commanded these things. But in the one place where they say what is the most important thing, he doesn't say any of those things. He says, love the Lord your God. Why? Because as much as you can give without love, serve without love, pray without love, sing without love, you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without praising. You cannot love without serving. You cannot love without obeying. Here's what he says. He says, all the law on the prophets hang on these commandments. And he's saying, if you take the 613 and you blend them all together, put them out, and, and, and one thing comes out, he says, this is what will come out. Love, love, love. That's it, love. Your call to serve God is an expression of your love for God. Your call to give to God is an expression of your love for God. Your call to obey God is an expression of your love for God. He's saying everything hangs on this one thing to love God with everything within you. If you've done that, then you've got it. If you haven't done that, then you've missed the point. So Jesus says, remember this one thing. How are you doing at loving God? Deep down in your heart, do you love your Jesus? Deep down in your heart, do you love him? He says that's the most important thing. Before all else, love. The second thing, love always has an object. Before all else, before anyone else, who's your bae? Before anyone else, says love the Lord your God. We all have something that we love above everything else, above anything else, above anyone else. And if we're honest with ourselves, who would that be? What would that be? 
What do you consider to be the thing that you love above all else? When everything else is stripped away and everything else fades away, what would people who look at your life and know you inside out, what would they say you love above all else? Would they say you love yourself above all else? Say you love that boy or that girl, that man or that woman above all else? You love sin above all else? You love your status, your money, your wealth, your possessions. You love your family, your friends. What do you love above all else? If I'm honest with myself, I think people would probably see that I love my family. And people might say, he loves his family above all else. Other people might say, he loves his job above all else. He loves his church above all else. He loves the Baltimore Orioles above all else. Maybe there would be some people who say he loves God above all else. But we all have something that we love above all else. What about you? What do you love above all else? You love your TV shows? Your Netflix? Okay, let's, let's be honest here. You love that person? You love that, that game, that hobby? What do you love above all else? You love your boyfriend? You love your girlfriend? Do you love your family? Do you love your kids more than everything else? Do you love golf more than anything else? Do you love that Korean drama above all else? What do you love above all else? And if you begin to get defensive, can I tell you, that's probably what you love above everything else. Okay, let's strip it down because if we miss out here, we're missing out on what Jesus says is the most important thing. Do you love money above everything else? Do you love your hopes and dreams for your career more than anything? Do you love, what do you love above everything else in life? If we're honest, just, just, just completely honest with ourselves, what do we love above everything else? Right, forget defensiveness, forget the walls, forget all the fronts that we put up. What do we love above everything else? Because if it's not Jesus, if it's not God, then we're missing out on what Jesus says is the most important thing. And you can do everything else, but if you don't love and if you don't love God, then we've missed the boat and we've missed the point. We're called back to remember. And what do you love? He doesn't even say, love your Sunday school students, love your house church members. He doesn't even say, love them above all else. He says, love me above everything else in life. That's what he says. He doesn't even say, love your family. He says, love me above them. In fact, your love for me should should dwarf your love for your family in such a way that it looks like you hate your family because you love me so much more than anything else. This is what Jesus is saying. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, everything within you, this is the most important thing. And we forget it, don't we? That's why we're told in the book of Revelation to remember your first love. When's the last time you remembered your first love? When you first fell in love with Jesus? The last time you felt the love and the affection in your heart for Jesus the way that you did then when the gospel became real? When's the last time you went back and you said, I would literally, I would go to the ends of the earth because of my love for you, Jesus. Not just singing it because we're supposed to sing it, but because I really mean it with all of my heart. Remember your first love. Brothers and sisters, remember your first love. Don't forget. You could forget all these other things in life, but the most important thing, don't forget.
Right? Don't forget that one thing, to love God with everything within you. Don't forget first love. You forget love, then you're not going to serve the way that you ought to. You're not going to obey the way that you ought. You're not going to forsake sin the way that you ought to. You're going to compromise. You're going to make excuses. You're going to rationalize your sin. You're going to rationalize your decisions. You're going to tell yourself that it's okay. And in time, your heart's going to become hardened. And it's going to be very difficult for you to experience the love that you think you have for God. Remember your first love. Maybe uh, for some of us, when you think of first love, when you first fell in love with Jesus, when the gospel captivated your heart, you think about a place or, or an experience or a, a song or a retreat. When I hear the song, Stand By Me, Olive and I were talking about this yesterday. When I hear Stand By Me, when the night has come, the land is dark, and the moon is the only light you'll see. You saw the blue moon the other day, right? The moon is the only light you'll see. And I won't be afraid. That's what Allah says to me. I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. Think that's our song. Think back to the time when we got married and that was our first dance when we were young and stupid and didn't know anything about life. All we knew was that we had Jesus and we had each other and we could change the world. I hear that song and it takes me back to that time and that place in Arlington, Virginia, overlooking Washington, D.C. and the street lights, the city lights. And I think this is what it means. This is our song. Do you have a song with God? you have a song that you share this special moment with him? That song comes on, you're like, God, that's our song. When you wooed my heart, when you captured my heart, when you won my heart, when I said I belong to you. When I was in sixth grade, I, uh, the first time that the gospel viscerally made sense to me, it was an incomplete understanding of the gospel. I was with older brothers and sisters in, 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 at a retreat from my home church. And, and to me, the gospel was, you can go to heaven instead of going to hell. And I said, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And so a- after the sermon was preached and we were singing, after we had prayed, I remember just watching people looking at my high school brothers and sisters. They were praying and they were holding hands and they were crying. And I was just sitting there looking at them like, well, that's kind of weird. But because they were crying, I felt like maybe I should cry too. And, and then this song came up on the transparency screen. And you probably, many of you don't know it, but it, it, it said something, to the, uh, something along the lines of uh, when the father sent his son. Um, when the father sent his son. To live with us our lives to mend. Placed his life, placed his love upon the altar that with him we might ascend. And all that I can do is thank him. All that I can do is pray. All that I can do is lift my hands to sing his praise. Something like that. And I remember looking around and and my brothers and sisters were holding their hands, lifting their hands with, with tears in their eyes, singing to God. And I remember that song, and I always remember that song. The first time that I began to understand that I don't have to go to hell, that God made a way for me to go to heaven. And that song takes me back to that time when I was a sixth grader. And then as I began to grow, as I began to mature, and I I began to realize that the good news is more than you get out of hell for free. 
it began to, to dawn on me that I was sinful and that I was messed up and I was broken. I was jacked up and I needed a savior. I needed someone to forgive me for all the wrongs that I had done. And I remember being in this one place and we're singing this song. And that song says, why have you chosen me out of millions, your child to be? You know all the wrong that I have done. But how could you pardon me? Forgive my iniquity to save me. Give Jesus your son. But Lord, help me be what you want me to be. Your word I will strive to obey. My life I now live for, to give. For you I will live and walk by your side all the way. And I can't sing that song without thinking about that time when God revealed to me that my sins could be forgiven. That I had hope in heaven. That there was a purpose for living now. And it was found in Jesus. You have a song. That's you and God. This is our song. That's our groove. It takes you back to first love. At the age of 19 years old, when I had given my life to other loves in order to find the one thing in life that could satisfy me, and one by one, God stripped all these things away so that they were insignificant and ineffective in terms of giving me hope and giving me life. And each thing that I put my hope in for lasting love seemed to fall apart. And at the age of 19, the summer before my 19th birthday, I found myself on the floor of a, of a house where my friends lived in at a prayer meeting, just weeping before God. When his love captivated my heart and I said, there's no turning back for me now. I'm giving everything I am to follow you. There's no other. I, I, I've tasted the things of this life and nothing could give me what you promise. And that song said, draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. And I remember when we got to the chorus that says, you're all I want you're all I've ever needed. I realize that for 19 years of life, I've been putting my hope into all of these things, looking and wanting and seeking and searching and longing for the one thing in life that could satisfy the massive void in my heart. And only Jesus could. You're all I want now, but you're all I've ever needed for all of my life. Help me to know that you are near. That's my song with God. I sing that I go back to first love. What about you? You have a groove with God. You have something that takes you back to that place. It doesn't have to be a song. But what does it look like? What were you doing? Where were you when you first fell in love with Jesus? When you first were captivated by the fact that God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have the life that is eternal. Where were you when you first heard that when Jesus came into your life and his love broke through? I have a playlist on my iTunes and, and guys like Sung and other people have seen this. It's called Dry Eye Days when I feel like my eyes are dry because the cross doesn't move me anymore. And I turn on this playlist and it has songs that are named after this song by Keith Green that says, my eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be, alive to you and dead to me. Oh, what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, spirit of love. Wash me anew in the wine of your blood. And I play that song, I play this playlist in order that my heart would go back to first love 
Because I don't want to forget. I don't want to spend my whole life doing what people tell me I ought to be doing and miss out on the one thing that Jesus said I ought to be doing. Loving him with everything within me. Remember your first love. What does that mean for you? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Because you see, we can love, we can serve without loving, we can give without loving, we can go without loving. But if you love, all those other things are going to follow. How can you go back to first love? What does that mean for you? to fall in love with Jesus again. And if this is the most important thing, then it behooves us to think deeply upon that and to go back to that place. I tell you what, loving God as the most important thing is not about something that you manufacture, that I can manufacture. What is it when I think about how I can love God again? how I can fall in love with Jesus, how I can fulfill this great commandment. I realize that it's not about me looking inwardly to try and find love for God. I remember the word of God that says, we love because he loved us first. Loving God is not about us trying to find the love in our hearts to love him. It is about going back to that place where your heart knows that it's been captured by a love beyond reason. Going back to that place where God's love can saturate and soak over your life in such a way that the only response is to say, God, all of me for all of you. You remember some time ago I talked about a young girl, four years old at the time, who was playing with her friend, my daughter, at our home, and she managed to wander her way into my room where on my desk there was a wooden cross. And so this young girl says to me, David Moksanim, <laughs> Pastor DL, Pastor David, why you got a cross on your desk? No one really asked that question. They just have a cross. And so I said, so that I can remember Jesus. And she responded, and she said, why? Because you forget him? And I thought to myself, yeah, I do forget him. Isn't it a tragedy that the things that we tend to forget are the most important things? I can't forget. We can't forget. And we can't forget his love for us. Because the only way we can fulfill the great command to love God with everything is if we know that he's loved us first. I don't ever want to look at the cross and not be moved by it. I don't ever want to think about Jesus and not have a flutter in my heart because I think about the one who loves me with an everlasting love. I don't ever want to think of the commands of God and think of it as a burden. I don't ever want to stray from the truth of Calvary. I want to find myself in wonder over and over again that he would save me at such a cost. I don't care what we do, church. I don't care that we don't change. I don't care that we do any of these things. But if we can, if we can do one thing well, 
If we can master one thing, that we would master loving God. If we could focus on one thing, that we could focus on loving God. If we could emphasize one thing, that we could emphasize loving. If there's nothing else that we do well, if people say you're a failure because you don't do it, that we would do this one thing and do this one thing well, that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, because this is the first and greatest commandment. Let's pray. Let's pray to God. Let's ask the Lord God that he would soften our hearts so that we could see, that we could see again the wonder of his love for us. We could see again the beauty of his love and how much he loves us in order that we might love him in return. Just pray to the Lord God. Say, Father, help me to go back to my first love. Help me, Lord God, to go back to that place, to revisit so that the memory of what was can become a longing for what could be. That time when you were so in love with Jesus is just a shadow of the love that you could have for him. The memory of first love can become a longing for what could be. Let's pray, Lord Jesus, help me to love you. Help me to know your love. Above all else, help me to love you. Above everyone else, help me to love you. Above everything else, before all else, before anyone else, before anything else, that I would love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, that I would major on the majors and I would remember that which is most important let's pray to God for a few moments like that Lord help us to love let's pray of that as we prepare to come to the Lord's table unending grace for sinners who know that they need a savior who know that we're unworthy to come the apostle Paul tells us in the Corinthian correspondence he tells us to not come to the table in a manner unworthy of the gospel but come examining yourself repenting of any known sins that you've committed in order that in coming to the table, you might receive grace. Let's repent of sin within our hearts for loving other things before God, loving other people before God, for substituting something else for loving God. Let's ask God that he would convict us so that we would see our sin, so that we would surrender before the Lord. Let's uh, spend a moment in repentance. Come on, just come clean before the Lord God. Let's do that.
Father in heaven, we thank you that your grace has been revealed to us, to a people undeserving. But at the heart of it, isn't that what love is? Without conditions, without strings attached, simply because. Father, this love is so wonderful, this mercy so bountiful. We can't understand it. We confess. Lord, help us. As we uh, prepare to come to this table, Father, may we examine our hearts to surrender other loves in order that, Jesus, we might have more of you. Purge us, cleanse us, wash us, put down our defenses, that as you probe into our hearts through your Holy Spirit, you would convict us to lay down our lives in joyful surrender to you. Thank you, Lord God. Meet with us here. We pray these things in Jesus' name.